One. Welcome, investors. How many times have I started this show over the last few months saying we're on a five-day winning streak? Right now, we're on the verge of six. Can we do it? Not much news. We'll take a look at uh, Berkshire Hathaway earnings. We'll do some topics. South Korea banned short selling. Should we do the same? Tim Quas is going to join us at 835. Give us his perspective on the market. It's Monday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's get right to the commodities and futures. Up seven handles, 43.83. Friday size, really the only number we got to pay, uh, pay attention to this morning. That comes in at 91.75. On the downside, <laughs> Barely spent any time in the red. Pre-market low, 74. Close on Friday, 76. Buck helping things out. Down 12 cents at 104.73. Bonds after a real big week. Taking a little breather. Real little range today. Crude still in the lower 81 handle. Up a buck low two at 81.53. Gold struggling with 2K. Down 750 at 1991.70. Silver. That's down three cents at 23.25. And Bitcoin back over 35K, up $755. Let's in, bring in Triple D. And Triple D, I have an important question for you. Sure. Like, I feel better. I, I feel like it's later in the day. Do they have daylight savings in Canada? <laughs> Joel's half Canadian. He knows this stuff. Yes, we are on. <clears throat> Sorry for the cold, still fighting it. <clears throat> It never goes away. I don't feel I feel sick anymore. It's just that last ten percent. You can't get rid of that last little bit of congestion. But um, yes, we're on you standard do. time. We follow. We follow you guys. Actually, they're trying to vote to get rid of it. I believe certain yep, provinces have gotten rid of it. Certain, just like certain states are trying to get rid of it. But uh, Ontario, I believe, will follow whatever they do over in your Eastern time zone because it would be very confusing otherwise. So, Des, we've been talking not to chase, but man. Last couple days, you weren't chasing. If you were waiting the market to come into you, it it didn't really happen. I mean, this has been very few times you get a a chaser market, and uh, you know we've had the rips five up days in a row. Uh, you identified. Is there any catalyst out there that might you know? Get this is a full chase. So this is people <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I've missed the bottom, and this is it. And we were massively oversold, and it's been a really good rally. And if you bought stocks in the past six, seven days, you're up significantly. There are a lot of stocks up fifteen to twenty percent in just a matter of a week. So it was a really good week for stocks. The oversold stocks, obviously, you know, a lot of them went from oversold to overbought almost, it feels like, instantaneously. I might, I, I bought NVIDIA last week at 408. It's 455. I'm up like 12% on it in four trading sessions. I mean, these are big moves. That's big move on a big market cap stock. So it's been a very good rally. The one thing I will say is, though, 
I just don't think we're going back to all-time highs here. So I do think it's more of a ring the register opportunity. But what is going to derail it right now? I don't know. Sentiment has turned. We're past earnings season. We get some cloud stocks. We get Disney this week. Bring Money Mitch into this conversation because we need his input here as well. Um, I know Mitch is hiding in the background. Joel reduces. Then he brings me in and we bring Money Mitch. But when we start talking this, I want to know Money Mitch. Is, he's down and dirty. He's trade stocks as well, obviously, actively here. I mean, Mitch, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah. What what derails it? You know, that's what I'm looking at is like, okay, yeah. I don't want to chase stocks and we're probably going to get dips and we're probably going to get concerns. But what really is the derailment of this market? Honestly, right now, the way the momentum's going, the only thing that I feel that could ruin this trade is just the max pain trade, right? Because I think that really quickly people are getting bullish here and we're starting to run really close to a resistance on the SPY. Maybe that's our turnaround point. You talked about that on Friday around the 437 area. And we talked about that area on Friday. So do we stop near that resistance and at least pull back, right? At least take a second in this recent rally. I think that we can. We can at least pull back, especially into the recent gap from Thursday. So that's what I'll be looking for. A move back towards like 431, 43092 is the high there. So somewhere in that space going sideways and then getting another rally. Really, the only thing that I see could ruin this rally is at the end of the month, NVIDIA's earnings. That's what I'd be looking for. That's a long time. That's a long time. I mean, we got we got so much That's information coming out. There's time for the bulls. We have the I, I would go like out of earnings, like everyone was worried about earnings, right? And everyone was worried about a banking collapse, right? And everyone, you know, and the Fed was kind of, you know, I don't even think he was that dovish, but obviously the street ran with it being that dovish. The only the thing that could derail, and I didn't look it up yet, is is the inflation numbers coming out. Yeah. And even when the inflation numbers were like not even great, we still rallied. So I think it's I think it's the inflation numbers. I know they come out in the middle of the month, but um, man, oh man, I, I don't see NVIDIA earnings are at the end of the month. We got oh, through the, the Magnificent Seven, right? We're done with those. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I think that what could derail it, though, is we've got to keep an eye on the TLT. It's got to hold mm-hmm. its rally here. I mean, we had kind of, so it was a fantastic day for the markets on Friday. I'm going to say TLT did not have a great day. It gapped up. We opened up and then we started right. to leak and now we're starting to leak a little bit more. So it's, you know, it's very important that the, for the bulls, the TLT doesn't get fall back below 85. So I say, as long as the TLTs holds in here, nothing goes straight up. We hold, do a little back and fill in Joel, 86 and a half, 87. That's okay. That's all okay. Bull thesis, short-term bull thesis, short-term bull thesis remains intact. So I think I'm sitting here buying dips on stock still. But keeping an eye on that TLT, because the TLT goes below 85, you don't want to own any stocks again. So 85 is still my line in the sand. TLT is still my indicator. That's obviously off of rates. We don't want to see long-term rates start creeping back up again. It's good news that we've come off. You know, obviously, you know, rates were the things that drove us down. Rates have come down a little bit long-term rates, and that is what has been the catalyst to kickstart this rally, especially in the IWM. But I think that's what you're watching. And I well, think that also, matters. Yeah. Also, it just might not be uh, economics or, you know, the interest rates. Uh, we still have some geopolitical problems. So no matter how great a rally looks, you know, overnight things can change in a heartbeat. A lot of Very times, quickly. yeah, those things happen over, you know, a lot of times anticipation of that happening over a weekend. So 
we're far Whoa. from a, a stable environment. But I think, you know, a Monday merger, Dennis, I mean, you caught, we caught this right on the pre, pre-market show. What is this? What is Hilton Vacations doing, Mitch? Give us the details. Blue Green Vacations to be acquired by Hilton Grand Vacation for $75 a share in cash for an enterprise value of approximately $1.5 billion, uh, inclusive of net debt. Uh, BVH getting some premium. You can say that for sure. I have no idea why. And this is, don't get confused with Hilton, HLT. This is HGV. I believe they spun this off a number of years ago. I'm trying to remember where it came from, but I believe it was spun off a number of years ago. So we're not talking HLT. We're talking HGV. Small companies, both of them small, small deal. The reason we're highlighting it, though, is that premium. Stock closed, Blue Green Vacations. I've never traded Blue Green Vacations. It's a really small company. Stock closed at 35.52. They're paying 75 in cash for it. I mean, did they have to give them that much premium? I mean, 35, here's a stock that's went from, you know, 20 to 35 over the last year and a half. And now all of a sudden up over 100%, you know, on, on this, obviously, this acquisition here. I just feel like, wow, what an overpay here. A small company, it's not a huge deal, but it's a small company acquiring it too. I'm sure they'll probably take on some debt to do this deal. But that's, you know, an incredible move. So eight BBH, it is a cash deal. It's not going to be no risk arbitrage in here. Well, besides just the cash players, but no merger arbitrage like a, as we have with when it's a sh- full share deal. Um, and it's trading at you know, $72.95, which is two bucks below the acquisition price, which surprisingly is pretty high considering the time value of money. I don't know if they're getting this deal done tomorrow. So I'm actually surprised that BBH is that high. I would expect it more down at 70. Um, and then HGV, slightly in the red. They paid a huge premium. I don't totally get it why they pay this kind of premium here, but they did. So if this was an all-share deal, HGV would be down significantly. But because it's a cash deal, it's probably not going to be affected as much. You know, they just don't care as much. I did short HGV on the initial uh, when it reopened from this deal. I covered it already, so I can freely talk about it. I just had a, a scalp in it, basically. It was in the trade for about 20 minutes or so. Uh, made 70 cents on it, just small size. Uh, there wasn't anything there to trade. It, was, it really hasn't traded much size. So, But regardless, I'm surprised, Huge. actually, that it didn't get hit a little bit harder on it. Did you want to talk about the, that South Korea news over the the weekend and banning short selling, or do you want to save that? For yeah, no, I there? think we could talk about it here. I mean... Uh, and, and bringing it into the context of, you know, like just keeping prices efficient. So the, so what happened over the weekend? Mitch, my money, Mitch. You, <clears throat> sorry, the cold's going to – I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot because this cold's really getting me. It's but, uh, water. Hey, Mitch, do you have the actual, like, headline from South Korea? Yeah, well, it, of course, South Korea will ban stock uh, short selling until June after protest from retail investors. So the protest is what got them to lean to this side wow. um so uh i don't know if you guys want to go and ban short selling here you might need to go protest. and get your protest <laughs> go get to washington <laughs> dc right now because uh i don't think it's gonna happen but uh let's just be honest the way that the market works and i said this on twitter is that money goes into a pool right and then money gets pulled out the pool every single day there's winners and losers that's the way the market works. There's no way of making it in every win scenario where everyone wins. Everyone just goes long and everybody wins. There has to be a counter bet, right? At least yes. that's the way efficient markets work. Yeah. I mean, 
<clears throat> so okay, South Korea bans short selling, and you have Twitter just lighting on fire here. A lot of people yeah. who don't understand market structure, they don't if they're if they're like out here talking about banning short selling because we've went through this before. We understand how markets work. What you know, I want to say why short selling is essential. We're not talking naked short selling here. People creating stock out of blue, out of the blue. We're talking about the other side of the bet. Mm-hmm. And what you have in this market, when you want to buy a stock, when you go out there, and you know Tim Quas is going to have on, and we'll bring him back into this conversation maybe afterwards. So this will be a good conversation for him too, mm-hmm. his it thoughts as well. But what what we have, you know, in this, you know, what we have in the market is going to hit on something. What we have. is when you're going out to buy a stock, typically it's a short seller selling you that stock, a market making short seller. So I, you know, and Tim's got the stats, you know, it's like 55% short volume, 60% short volume. Like that's how much it's high. So, and we can bring Tim into this conversation. We shouldn't maybe save it for Tim at 835. I almost want to, Uh, but I'll just give my quick thoughts, quick four points, and then we can get Tim's thoughts later. Um, For the, the number one thing is short sellers provide the market liquidity to keep markets efficient. I mean, without short selling, stocks would create bubbles. Stocks, you know, go, you know, have a lot less liquidity on both sides. Uh, people firmly believe that, you know, if we ban short selling, stocks go straight up. It, it, it actually, it, and we did this, you know, so we have some evidence here. In 2008, um, when banks were all going, you know, basically bankrupt because not because of short sellers, but because they lent money to people who couldn't pay off, you know, their mortgages. And they had a lot of bad loans in the books. That was the financial crisis, obviously built off housing when the housing prices went down. Um, in 2008, we banned short selling for three weeks and on financial stocks only. What happened that day was a lot of stocks, a lot of banks really popped up. That that evening, actually, I can remember trading. Um, there was buy imbalances across the board for a lot of banks, Joel. And I don't know if you can remember this. I remember. This oh, yeah, I remember. Ban. And I remember saying to other traders at Bright, I'm like, we can't short stock. So who's providing the liquidity to stop these stocks from gapping up on the close? So what I did was I went and bought a whole bunch of banks too on the close. I'm like, there's nobody to sell to them. And what happened was a lot of the close, a lot of stocks gapped up 10% on the close. When it, on no news, just boom, banks gapping up, gapping up, gapping up. So they had all this. So everybody's like, oh, it's a party. Look at the banks coming back. It's all good. You know what happened three weeks later? Banks collapsed in price because there was no other buyers left. So that first day, they rallied, and then they collapsed. And at the end of the day, the S&P was down 18% after the ban, and I blame the ban for that. Financials were down 23% after the ban. I did a study, so I know those stats. So during that three-week period, the financials actually underperformed the market over that three-week period. So you may get that one-day oomph pop, but eventually that pop fizzles out. Because what happens is when you're short a stock, you now become the buyer for the stock. So when a stock is going straight down, everybody's scared. Momentum traders, oh, don't touch it. Don't touch it. You know, don't buy it. So there's no, who, who, who is the person that comes in to actually step up and buy the stock first? It's a short seller because they're closing the trade. So you see a stock just crashing. It's like, oh, I'm going to make my money. I want to get my bids in there. So the bids come in and actually support the stock. So all short selling does is provide the essential liquidity to keep markets efficient, keeps bubbles in check. And um, it's the majority of your market's liquidity. It's provided by market making short sales. So, and even retail traders, you know, 
in that way. So, but we'll bring Tim Quast, and those are my quick thoughts. I yeah, I just want to address a, chat, a question from the chat here. Uh, Jason Lee, thanks for joining us, Jason. I don't know if I've seen you here in the chat sure. before. How is buying puts different from a naked short? Well, there's a lot of different ways. First of all, you have to be enabled to short a stock in your account. You have to borrow that stock, right? So you have to, uh, there's a, a payment that's associated uh, with, uh, you know, an interest associated with borrowing that stock to short it. Second of all, you have, when you short a stock, you have unlimited risk. The stock can go as high as it's, you know, whatever to infinity and beyond. Finally, you know, with puts, when you buy puts, you have a defined loss. If you pay $300 for a put on something, then the worst you could lose is the $300. Also with buying puts, I mean, you know, you got to get your timing right. You have to, you know, you have to make sure your strike is close enough. So there's really the, the big differences for uh, being a naked short seller as opposed to um, as opposed to and, buying puts. And people come on, they say, I'm short the stock because they bought puts. That is just not true. It's a completely different trade. So it kind of is my pet peeve when I say I'm short the stock via puts. No, you're betting on the short side, but you're definitely not short the stock. It's not the same. So I short stocks every single day, keeping markets efficient. Um, I feel like I do a job by providing liquidity to the market. And I think there's other short sellers and other people that understand that without short selling, market liquidity would drop substantially and you would have a lot more price impact getting into and out of stocks. You're seeing stock spreads go from like this to this without short selling. And that's not good for anyone. There was a bank failure over the weekend. Uh, Citizens Bank is in Sac City, Iowa, <laughs> closed due to financial instability, making it the fifth U.S. bank failure in 2023. The FDIC took over Iowa's trust and savings bank, assumed all deposits and assets. Citizen Bank uh, branches reopened under the new bank with assets valued at 66 million and deposits of 59 million. And we're talking CFG. No, we're not talking CFG. So no. This is the confusing thing. This is That's, what Twitter was going on on the weekend. Right yeah, completely different company. So um, I know Twitter all over the weekend. Citizens, bankrupt. <laughs> no, sorry, wrong. <laughs> Citizens Financial Group is a huge regional bank company. 66 Obviously, million. This little Citizens Bank is not even part of this company whatsoever. So do not confuse the chat. There. Do not confuse CFG it's probably not even with a this Citizens Bank. It. I don't even think it's public. Yeah, paid, it's, no. a, it's $50 so million. It's a completely company. different company. Yeah. Well, it was 50. Now it, Loans, it was 66. Uh, do you have a ticker? 50. I don't know if it trades. I don't think it does. I, I'm trying to locate it. It could be this commercial bank, but they're, they're confusing it all over on the internet. So. Yeah, they, they, it's wrong. It's not Citizens show. Financial Group. This is not. And they're doing it, you know, like Twitter. This is why when you get your news from Twitter and people firmly believe, like, I don't need any news sources. I don't need Benzinga Pro. Mm. I don't need Reuters. I don't need anything. I can get all my news from Twitter. Twitter is just people's opinions. You don't get your news from Twitter. You don't get real reliable news from Twitter. Sometimes you get good stuff from Twitter. Sometimes they do break stuff. But rarely. That's why I've always said, if you're going to be a professional trader, you have to pay for some type of professional news source. You can't be looking at Twitter, what's the news? Because I'll tell you, the news shows up on Twitter, typically minutes, sometimes minutes after it shows up on like a Benzinga Pro or, you know, Reuters or Bloomberg and all the other choices. So we're not just pitching you pro here. I mean, pro does a great job. We love pro. Obviously, I think it's the best bang for the buck out there because it's cheap. 
but <clears throat> you've got to have a professional news source. You get your news from Twitter, you all of a sudden think CFG is going bankrupt. All right, so I did put us up there the FDIC press release that came out with this. Um, okay. So that's going to be probably your most official, right? Straight from the FDIC there. Uh, so the big thing there is, uh, you know, trucking loans is what uh, disrupted this one. Will we see more banks disappear? Of course, uh, this is the fifth one in 2023. Will we see another one? What do you guys think? Um, I, oh, yeah, I think so. I don't think we're out of the woods, whatever. I think if TLT can stay stabilized, we'll be okay. I think if the rates continue to start going higher, I think we're going to start to see the KRE start to collapse again here. So, again, you know, there's this inverse correl or there's actually there's a positive correlation, inverse correlation with rates, positive correlation between TLT and the KRE. KRE had a fantastic week last week. Why? Because the TLT rally. There's no other reason. I'm telling you, that's why. Maybe we have too many banks, you know? Maybe we need to get rid of some of well, them. Well, there's but... a point there too, Joel. <laughs> yep. Maybe there yeah, is. A big you point. know, we've, we've band-aided this problem and of excessive bank lending since 2008. You know, like we threw band-aids. We threw money at it. How do we get past the financial crisis, you know, to you new traders out there? The markets didn't magically fix themselves. The Fed bailed them out. The U.S. taxpayer bailed out all these banks. That's what happened. It's a major reason why we are $33 trillion in debt now, because the banks can't control their lending when they have free money. Now, maybe the capital markets are fixing that itself by raising, you know, obviously the Fed has raised short-term rates. The capital markets are keeping the long-term rates higher here too. The free money party is maybe over, and maybe that's a good thing. And maybe we do need to lose some other banks to have more efficient capital markets here. Because when you have free money, they're just lending and borrowing and borrowing. And like, you know, like look at the AIG back in 2008, you know, 30 people in Boston bring down a company that's got, you know, 100,000 employees because, you know, they're, they're giving insurance on subprime loans. I mean, you know, just the excessive risk that was being taken and going unchecked was why the financial crisis happened. And that excessive risk still exists today. And in a lot of these regional banks, that excessive risk is still on the books. To Money Mitch's point, who did that fantastic job on the video. I mean, he was looking at the commercial side of it, but even the residential side of it. Who loans money for 30 years at 2.5%? Stupid people. Those are stupid banks. Paul bringing an interesting conversation in the chat. Of course, a lot of he's saying that a lot of banks are insolvent, Bank of America being one, but will never be allowed to fail. The Fed will allow maybe regionals to fail. But as I attained to the comment last week by Jerome Powell himself, they said that they were holding up these regional banks and that there was tons of unrealized losses there that they were holding it up. So whenever I've heard that the Fed is creating that backstop, that's when I say, hold on, they're passing it down the buck. They're trying to push time back. So for right now, I don't think it's the time where we'll see the collapse. We need to see a little bit more disruption of this economy for that collapse to actually happen. Well, how would you, how are you playing this? Like, how are you, are you, are you shorting banks? Are you buying so I, I was, I was shorting banks before when we were going into the earnings as we started getting some of those. But now at this point, when you're getting this, you know, market rally into the end of the year, I would be waiting until January and February to start looking for okay. the decline. This is a great question that Joel just brought up and I'm going to give you the same answer that Money Mitch just gave you and sometimes 
something we talk about on the show isn't immediately actionable. Yeah. Yeah. And what that means is you've got to get the timing right. So it's like, am I investing in KRE? Hell no, because KRE's long-term time frame is 10 years. And I think there's going to be more banks that go under. So that's the one thing that's actionable is I'm not going to go and invest there. I'm not going to go into the value trap of the banks because I feel like there is more collapses imminent. But from a trading perspective, it's about getting the timing right. How do we time this? We watch the TLT. You start to see the TLT fall below 85, 84, 83 again. I'm going to be short KRE. So I mean, right now, TLT is rallying. No reason to be short KRE. There was no reason to not cover all your shorts. Once the TLT went through 85, and we talked about this on the show, and people say we get stuff wrong, we get stuff right as well. And some people say we get stuff right too. But I mean, we talked about the TLT level when it was 83 to 84, and I'm like, above 85, you've got to watch the shorts. And what's happened? In two and a half days, we've had a wicked market rally. So it's a complete tell. Who cares You know about the TLT? I don't care about the TLT. I look at the technicals. Well, you know what? This stuff leads the technicals, folks. This stuff Speaking, is like the reason that makes I'll the I'll tell you how to play happen. it. I'll tell you how to play it next yeah. time, the way I played it last time. The next time you have these crises and, and J.P. Morgan goes down, you buy J.P. Morgan. And that's, that's what right. I that's did. That, that's not yeah. a bad way. So because that's, 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 that's the only bank, because that's yeah. the only bank that's going to be standing. They picked up all those assets on yeah, the G. Yeah, so, so you know what? Give me another banking crisis and have J.P. Morgan go down and I'll just buy more of it. I mean, and you know, you can't. You can't run scared, but, uh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about last week a lot was, um, you know, the biotech sector, right? And when you talk about rates and of course those companies need to borrow money, they need the fund. And, uh, we got, we got some, uh, some bio biotech stocks, uh, with earnings today. We have some more, uh, later in the week. Uh, so why don't we get to some of those? Cause I see Vertex, uh, trading up in the green. So, Maybe we can find a little hidden gem here in the biotech sector. Well, there's also a murder or, or uh, trials. Trial. Yeah, let's one do the here. trial. I, what's the small company? You mentioned? Okay, there's, so there's company. Celdex Therapeutics, CLDX, that had top yep. line results from its phase two trial. Um, it did meet endpoints here, so definitely getting the lift. And then I also saw that CRISPR had some news out there. So just to kind of mention another therapeutic stock that's doing well. Um, so both of these having good. Uh, so CRISPRs was more about one going further into the trial than actually releasing top line results. That's more CLDX. Um, but these have really turned and these are a lot of the stocks that are in ARKK. So if you guys are seeing why ARKK is also making a nice push. Some small ones too. She has a ton of these therapeutic stocks. There's like... Yeah. There's like 10 or 12 that she keeps piling in, whether it be PATH, whether it be CRISPR, whether it be some of these names. Uh, so I would continue to watch these as we did see a little bit of a sweep move right back to the upside on these. And a lot of these are in the ARKK. Um, something else to consider here, and we've brought this up before, but I want to bring it up again. I know sometimes we repeat ourselves you know, from previous shows, but it's important to pound these ideas and these trading ideas and these new relationships in. The XBI is completely linked with KRE. It's completely linked with TLT right now. That isn't always the case, but I understand those relationships. The trader got run over of us talking to me on XBI. He's like, why is XBI up so much? And I'm like, because the TLT is rallying and every component of the XBI requires huge capital lending to stay going for their trials. These are small speculative biotechs that need lending. 
So when you see rates going higher, it crushes the XBI. When you see rates going lower, the XBI is going to rip higher. And that is because all these small companies survive on the, on financial lending from a lot of, you know, some, some banks from, from wherever. But as rates go higher, it's not good for their trials. All right. And we will get, of course, some earnings after the bell. You got VRTX and some others. So keep your eyes open on this. Of course, we'll go through our earnings calendar throughout the show, uh, but definitely keep your eyes open, guys. VRTX reporting tonight. We got NXPI. We'll get to some of those actions, but definitely these biotechs are something to keep your eyes open for. Um, any of these on your radar for tonight, guys? Are you going to be looking at that VRTX report? Um. It's not on. Like, so, 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 I, so I have my list here. Yeah, that's and at all-time highs, right? There's my and... list. I got my list of all stocks. It's always scrappy and people laugh. you know. But I have this sheet I make every single day. And it's got all the companies that are going to report at the bottom this week that I highlight. So for tonight, what I have highlighted is BRTX is on the list. But number one is NXPI. So I have NXPI. Then I have like Fang is on there. Trip is on there. Uh, P PLL is on there, AYX, RNG, HPK, GT. I put Clover on there just because I thought, you know, the dash for trash might actually lift Clover up. It's a dollar stock. I actually played it. I bought it over the weekend, held it over the weekend, and actually did pop. Uh, actually, it was trading like 120 a little while ago, so it was up even more than that. Um, and then Tuesday's Uber and Datadog and eBay and Rivian and um, Celsius is on there, Gilead. Wednesday's the big one with the House of Mouse Disney reporting. Uh, Under Armour, nobody cares about anymore. Twilio, Biogen, um, HubSpot reports, Win Resorts, Thursday's Unity, uh, Trade Desk Plug. So you have some companies reporting. I'll tell you, VRTX isn't high on my list, though. Disney, man, look at this trading range again. They're trying to put a wall Under there, man. 80 bucks, like 80 to 85. We're back, or actually 86. I mean, that is consolidated. Look how long we've been in this range since the middle of yeah, August. That is a long consolidation period. I don't know what they're going to do with their earnings. I don't know what they're going to do with ESPN. But holy mackerel, this thing, it gets over. And on the, it's shape, of course, is shaping up on the monthlies like that. But at the top of the range right now, up at 86. But, man, if this thing clears 86, gets a sustained 86 bid, bid um, participated a little bit last week, right? The market helped it out. Mm -hmm. Nice rally. But Keep an eye on that. 80, uh, actually, 86 to like 86 and a quarter. That That's super extra major resistance for the house of mouse. I'm very worried about the parks. Um, I, I Obviously, you know, I haven't been to the parks. I don't know anything. But just that discounting hearing that they actually lowered the price for, you know, for kids. I've never heard of Disney lowering the price at all. And this is just a deal. It's well, not like it's lowered permanently or anything. And I don't know if anybody else can verify that, but it was going around. You know, I was hearing in the media that they had lowered prices for the kids significantly there. I mean, nobody lowers prices unless, you know, there's actually maybe not as busy as they were. So I'm somewhat worried that, you know, the parks, we keep saying we're firing on all cylinders. Like, I mean, they were driving the, the holding Disney up when it was $100 and $100 plus was holding it up. All their other businesses sucked. All their other businesses still suck. So it's a matter of, you know, the parks. Is it is it good enough to make up for the other crappy businesses like ESPN and Disney Plus has been a disaster. And you know, obviously they've got, you know, they've they've, they've got other business, they've got all kinds of different the media but the media part of this company hasn't been doing well for a very long time. So the parks is why Disney, you know, is, has traded where it is. But you know, Mitch, we're you're good here. Or you're looking at interest over time. 
I'm so this is an Disney interesting tickets thing, though. That doesn't Trend. look like this is much interest in Disney oh. tickets. Oh, as a as a yeah. I like this when you go in this stuff. This yeah, whole full on like uh, Chris Camilo stuff here happening. Oh yeah, I always check this, guys. <laughs> a little bit of Google Trend action, right? Um, this is gonna how help you. How do you do that? You just, just go, literally go to Google Trends. Show us how to do that. Because I, I I don't do Google Trends. Yeah, just Google, just literally search Google Trends. It'll come up as the first thing, and then you're gonna get to like this site, and then just yeah. put in what you're looking for, right? Like, cool. what are you looking for? Are you looking for EVs, Tesla models? Are you looking for Disney tickets, right? I mean, yeah. that's what you would search. If I was looking for Disney tickets, I would search for this, and so it's gonna take your your search data, right, and let you know like there's been a quick drop here. And normally yeah. there's an increase yeah. in the holidays, right? A lot of people like to go to Disney for Christmas, for the holidays. They have like, you know, yeah. fireworks at nighttime, things like that. Well, it isn't looking so hot there. And uh, of course, we saw the recent merger, right, with Cedar Fun and Six Flags. I don't know. And, and um, I'm also worried about maybe SeaWorld. And, and companies like that. Well, SeaWorld. Well, I've been worried about right? SeaWorld for a long time, and I have no idea why SeaWorld still exists. You know, been, been <laughs> it, I kind of don't know why it exists. I thought back in 2020 <laughs> when stocks were going down, this was one, but not SeaWorld. I guess everybody likes Shamu. You know, I know yeah, we had some they, issue they, with they need one to go of them see Shamu. Time, but... Yeah, a big issue. A big, a big issue. issue. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know why SeaWorld's where it is, but you know, that's for a story for another day. All it's right, about Disney it. this week. Let's kick it to what reported this weekend because they're that special, right? Berkshire Hathaway reported strong last quarter earnings of $10.761 billion, marking a 40.6% increase compared to the same period last year. The company held a record amount of cash at $157.2 billion by the end of September, surpassing the previous high of $149.2 million in Q3 of 21. Buybacks also slowed down as Berkshire Hathaway uh, shares are definitely, I'm sorry about that, just got to, as shares uh, in the quarter totaling around $7 billion over the first nine months of the quarter uh, of the year. Sorry about that. Um, Burke will trade off its earnings to a certain extent, but remember, it's just a big, you know, basically just a big closed-end fund. So it's never going to move, you know, the needle significantly. What I will say is Burke has had an incredible rally. And, you know, if you think about the 50% retracement of the recent move, 373 down to 330. We just got it back in five days, man. I mean, you coming and buying it now? You coming and buying it this morning? Because Warren, you know, talked a little bit on the weekend. I think it's a selling opportunity in Burke. Sorry. And, I, not, and again, long-term Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's been good. But the only thing is long-term Burke. Long-term Warren doesn't exist with Burke. Is there a Warren Buffett premium? Like what happens when he eventually does die? Is his successor is going to be as good because he's 90 years old. You know, his partner is almost 100, I believe. I mean, what Charlie happens? Munger, he's a Michigan guy. How, old um, is and how, much, how much cash did, uh, did they have, too, on hand? I, I meant 157. Not- so they've gone you know, because, up and up and up and up every single year since they're like, buying nothing since like what like uh, 2007 or 2011. Why is the greatest investor of all time hoarding cash? You've got to ask that needs, to, that that needs to be a big too. question. That needs to be a big question. That question too. The same reason I'm hoarding cash is one. I'm getting 5.75 percent to hoard cash, and 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 in the stock market's long term performance is eight over time. So I mean. It's pretty good compared to what the stock market does over the course of the long term. Two is I still believe stocks are incredibly overpriced for the environment that we're going to go into in 2024. But right now, I'm bullish. 
So you stick with us because we're going to go bullish. We were trading show. So we go long, short, long, short, long, short, bullish, bearish, bullish, bearish. That's what we do. It's my job. I, I make my living calling turns. I make my living trading. You know, I was bearish for the last three, four weeks. You know that. And I turned bullish when the TLT got back up above 85 three days ago. And I, and we were talking about stocks being oversold even before that. But, and, you know, and we got seasonal effects here happening. And Ryan Dietrich letting us know the last five days. Before we go but, to Tim, I just yep. want, I, I got to, remember I was talking about Apple and their cash position, yep. right? What do you think the return on invested capital was uh, last quarter? For Apple? Yeah. 6%? 5%? Well, uh, I, and this is coming this from is the return uh, on their cash? Dawson, 53%. This is a confusing. Yeah, but that's not the cash. The cash, if they're getting 53%, there's something in So we're capital. talking, they're investing Invested. capital on their own company is what this is. So they're talking about, you get your CFA hat back on there, obviously. You're talking about invested capital back in their company. So the return on the money that they have invested in their company. The margins of, on Apple. What are their margins? I mean, it's not it's not like it's fifty three percent is mind boggling here. Apple's margins are absolutely incredible. When they yeah. sell you this the fifteen hundred dollar iPhone, it costs them like six hundred bucks to produce that. So, it's, what's their margins? Let's go luck money, Mitch. Go into the Benzinga Pro. We're gonna bring Tim. Tim, you're in the background. Yeah, let's here. get Tim in. Let's we'll get Tim, and I'll introduce him. And we'll yeah, but I just want to say, <clears throat> like when you're looking. The reason everybody owns Apple is it's an incredibly run company. The reason I don't own it is I don't want to pay 28 times anymore. But their margins, just quickly grabbing, their gross margins, 45.2%, Joel. 45.2%. It's incredible. You know, you have a lot of other companies that are running margins, you know, like 8, 10, 12%, 45%. Well, you think Bart that doesn't change its bet, margins, man? Though. It just keeps one company pretty much. Let's just be honest. <laughs> That's what Warren does. He keeps one company and he keeps the winning company. And, okay. and that's an apple. That's for sure. All right, let's get to, of course, you guys know what time it is. A little dance, Market Structure Monday. Tim, Tim Quas, he's the founder, CEO of Market Structure Edge. Joining us here, Tim, how you doing? I'm well, Joel. It's good to see you. Thank you. Good to see all of you. Tim, was, I want to start a pretty good segment, I have to say. <laughs> Dennis, oh, the you Apple. could sell T-shirts that say, "Why is Warren Buffett hoarding cash?" You know, that yeah. Well, a, that's it. Be a good T-shirt. Why? I'm <laughs> hoarding cash too. One because yeah. it's paying me a lot of money right now, but two is right. because the market risk here is yeah. high on a long-term basis. Like, I mean, I'm not looking out a week or two here. Maybe it's high mm -hmm. for the next week, but, you know, we're traders and we're going to get into, you know, we'll, we'll get into the market structure edge and look at that in a second. But before we get into any of that, we had a mm -hmm. conversation about 20 minutes ago. So South Korea is banning short selling for the next three months or whatever, or six months until June because retail protests. So retail says, we hate short sellers and short South Korea government listening, banning short selling. I want to know Tim Quas' opinion because Twitter went crazy on the weekend and saying, why do we allow short selling in North America? Why should we have short selling? Short selling is evil. It's evil. The, the whole reason why stocks go down. It's the only reason why stocks go bankrupt is because of short selling, Tim. <laughs> Can you tell me first your thoughts on banning short selling? Well, I'm opposed to it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a natural part of a well-functioning market. Uh, there, there is fear and greed uh, at work all the time in anything that is uh, animated by human nature. Uh, and so, so long as the rules are clear, uh, then 
then I'm all for it. You know, there, there, has, there has to be a clear structure so that it's a level playing field. Um, and you know my view on, on uh, the, the, the massive presence of, of market maker exemptions to the short locate rules here in these markets. Uh, and we could have a long discussion about whether that uh, promotes a, a healthy market or not, but mm -hmm. it's the reason we can all trade. That is the truth of the matter. So whether we like it or not, without that, you couldn't get in and out of anything with any ease. So if you like to trade, then you better support shorting. It's just a part That's of the, the puzzle. 100%. It's exactly what I said 20 minutes ago. I was mm -hmm. like, this allows us, it's short sell sellers that allow us to get in and out of stocks. It's that liquidity yep. that they provide allowing yep. us to get in and out. So, you know, otherwise your spreads are going to go from here to here. So, I mean, it's a simple, you know, game like like people think, oh, short selling is just a small portion of the market. But you bring up these stats all the time. Yep. It's an enormous part of, you know, of the order flow that's on the book. How much of that is short sell related? I right. mean, you've got not only on the on the short sell, it's, people think mm -hmm. it's just this side. But on the buy side, it's all covering orders on the buy side related yeah. to those short sells. I mean, that market liquidity is all because of short selling. Absolutely. I was. I had a panel discussion. This was probably a year and a half ago now, and uh, I, an institutional trader was on that panel, and he said, effectively, one hundred percent of the large orders that that uh, large institutional orders require shorting, short volume, because you couldn't fill them otherwise. And of course, this then. It, to, to, for everybody to understand this, we'd have to have a, a discussion about the history of the markets. Back to the you know upstairs desk, the wholesale broker dealers. They have they don't exist anymore because we have a market that depends on high frequency traders like Citadel and Virtu and Hudson River Trading and Jane Street and Infinium and GTS and so on. Um, and they have market maker exemptions, but they are the reason why that you can buy. I mean, go look at some of these, you know, leveraged derivatives, which I trade to. You have to understand what you're trading. You should know what you own. Yes. But you, you could go, to, you know, buy SPXL or SPXU. Um, these instruments routinely have hundreds of thousands of shares at the bid and the offer. Well, how's that possible? Well, it's because of the, the, the long, short provisions in the market. Tim, one of my buddies asked me, what does the stock market um, – <laughs> have to do with quantum mechanics oh, and um and i and i really didn't have an answer do, do you have an answer for us <laughs> holy we're getting yeah, physics yeah the, we're, getting, you know, we're the, getting in a physics conversation here at 8 30 in the morning what the stock <laughs> what the stock market and quant, quantum mechanics have in common is the uncertainty uncertainty principle that is and so you know i love math uh, quantum mechanics is, you know, just oversimplifying. It's the way everything works. It is the theory of how molecules move in, in our physical environment. And there is an uncertainty principle. In fact, I, I, uh, I talk about this with, with uh, the edge mob, that you have to realize you can't know exactly what's going to happen. Can we, and it's, you know, it's great. You look at the data last week and the data were better than human nature. Either the data were better at saying, oh, the market's going to turn than human nature would be. But here's the way to think about this. You know, if there's a ripple on the surface of a pond, you can mathematically determine where the ripple is 
and its speed, but not both simultaneously. That's the uncertainty principle. And you have to think about that as a trader. You don't know, ex we all knew precisely where the bottom or the top would, was gonna be. Well, we'd all be rich and, and, and everybody would beat the market. It's very, very difficult to beat the market. Uh, and it's important to understand that. It requires understanding the mechanics of the stock market, Yes. Being very disciplined about what you do. Dennis, I thought what you said about trading is it was absolutely right. It's, you know, you make your living being long short uh, that if you're going to trade, that's what you have to do. You have to be nimble. Don't get distracted. Don't say, like, oh, I'm going to off after the shiny thing. Just stick with your discipline and understand that there there is an uncertainty principle. We're not going to get it right all the time. Well, I was I was out celebrating my birthday when the market went up 500 points. He said, well, so, and I don't trade if I'm not paying attention because that's how you make mistakes. And you say, 100%. oh, you missed out on that. And no, I didn't. All I care about is my returns. I don't care what the market's doing per se. Yeah. I care what my portfolio is doing. And True. if you keep that in mind, you'll be fine. Well, happy hey, birthday, can't, Tim. Thank you. Can't hit every pitch, I like to say it. I refer right. to it in baseball. You can't hit them all, right? So let's, <laughs> no, you can't. You just wait for the next setup and then and, and get ready for it, right? So let's take a look, of course, underneath the hood. Of course, we always talk about two main things, right? Is it momentum? Is it volatility? Seems like this might be a momentum rally, or is it something else? Let us know, Tim. What is okay. the data telling us what? on Market Structure Edge? Let, let's have a look. Oh, and by the way, here, this was uh, this is Aspen. This is where we were. Oh, hold birthday. up, hold up. The good this stuff. Is, this is uh, my you know, I don't get to pride. go out to those mountains. Yeah. Those those are little special mountains out it, there. And it all came on a day. Like they got two feet of snow. You know, oh, it was wow. just uh, very, very spectacular. And yeah. a, and a great place to get fat if you want to if you want to do that because they're you know great great steaks and cold weather baby exactly yeah uh, yeah i went <laughs> wow. to 316 steakhouse too by the way we, hell we did. yeah it's one of the you enjoyed that me. tim i did and i'm paying the price now i've got <laughs> now i'm eating salads <clears throat> but uh anyway so here's here's uh i want to show you two things what is it so mitch to answer that question is it a momentum market well if you look at the portfolio no and it's and you say, well, why hmm. not? I mean, what yeah. happened? Why not? Right? And I'll tell you what I think. Can I prove this entirely? I can tell you that the market was very likely to rise because of this. If we zoom in and look at the broad, the broad picture, and it tells me how many people are doing some of the same things that I do. I will trade hmm. long and short, long and short with ETFs. I don't love ETFs. You know, they're they are a substitute that expands access to the same underlying securities and at some point that will break because it's not a it's not a it's not the correct way for markets to function nonetheless i will do it well then you can overload the derivatives market and it doesn't show up in the asset market but here's what i want to show you we say when you get to the green line that is a bottom and statistically it has been true 100% of the time in the data set, some, at some point it will be wrong, the uncertainty principle. And look what supply was doing. So the, on October 30, the SPY was at 416, let's call it, and it hit the green line and supply declined day over day. Well, that's a very good indicator of a bottom. Now, human nature, because the market got clocked, we just got corrected. Would you look at that? And, you know, it's David Copperfield. 
We're looking at the hand waving, not what's actually occurring. If you looked at that, you'd say, wow, the market's probably going to go up. And look what has happened to the supply side. There has been a collapse in supply, short yeah. volume, yeah. almost equal yeah. to the move in the market. So is it a momentum market, Mitch? No. And that's why it could mm. fall apart at any moment. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm not predicting that. But this was a collapse of supply, and I would relate it to that little green square there. There were index futures, they trillions of dollars of them. They expire every month end. And I think what happened is that banks shorted the market before that because they were going to have to cover it to bring index funds whole. Because if you lose 10% of your value, you're out of whack with your measure. And so they rely mm. on the Goldman Sachs of the world to get there. Well, then machines will immediately run prices up. Machines don't understand things. And I want to add a little piece, if I, if I can, to this, because yeah. I think it's illustrative. If I go back over here to, to, uh, to where we are, I want to show you something. So there was a lot of discussion about how, well, it was the Fed's quarterly refunding and a reduction in the supply yeah. of the 10-year that caused the market to rally mightily. Well, did you let's look at the data. Here's their release. I looked at the data and went, it's not a reduction. Look at what they're doing <laughs> with the two-year. 45 <laughs> to 60 billion. Three-year, 42 to 52. Five-year, 46 to 61. Seven-year, 36 to 41. Here's the 10, 38 to 37. It's coming down 1 billion. But if you add <laughs> up the totals, it is a colossal increase. That in moved the market too, Tim. Well, that was like... We had yes. two eight thirty numbers. I don't even know whether numbers or or another thing was uh, wage growth or something. Tim, before we let you go, we got to well, talk about turns in the market, right? There's a linchpin yet to this because this is very important. The same thing mm -hmm. happens to public companies. This is machines that don't understand data, reading things and reacting to them. It happens. Look at Roku. I mean, should Roku Roku be up forty eight percent? It lost a billion dollars over the last four quarters. Okay, so the machines don't understand fundamentals, but 90% of the volume in the treasury market and in the equity market come from machines, models, and derivatives. They don't think. And these things can happen. That's why it's very important to understand the mechanics. Okay, Joel, sorry. I wanted to What's make sure. What happens when they, I, I want to expand on that question. What yeah, happens when sure. they do start thinking? Because AI yeah. is coming to the market. <laughs> people would say AI is there already, but it's not. Yeah. It's just right. computer programs being run by, you know, whatever been programmed into them. There is an what AI, happens or, when AI order type. AI yeah. actually comes in the and starts NASDAQ trading is... and now making and changing their own code yeah. to adjust for you know market conditions does this put us all out of business or are we just putting the cart before the horse it's a great oh, it's a great theoretical question right because we we don't know and there i want to know because i gotta know a, when i gotta send my resume out to mcdonald's or not so. the, 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 and you no, get paid I, well now right? <laughs> exactly. okay. 18 bucks an hour here the, town, the, there is an ai order type from the nasdaq now the mellow i forget it's it's d or l mellow you can look it up but that's ai powered it's it's using uh generative data to change where the the order floats right midpoint what is it uh something uh, uh limit only i forget the, the the acronym i can find it anyway just remember ai is generative not creative AI will consume and reformat, transform 
the things that exist. AI does not invent things. Humans invent things. Humans are creative. Humans can foster something from nothing. Machines can only reformulate it. That's why it's called generative pre-trained transformer. That's what GPT is. It can only be pre-trained. So I wouldn't be, be brushing my resume up, Dennis, if I were you. I think <laughs> okay, you'd be just fine. <laughs> I don't really want, want to go flip burgers for the next 15 years, but if I have to, I guess I will. <laughs> no, what will happen is they'll become the same. What happens when you when you apply broad techniques to data sets is the data sets all become the same. Uh, so we will, you know, everything will sound the same, look the same, feel the same. Uh, there are things it's going to do really well. Being able to take a take a meeting mm -hmm. and have the have AI tr transcribe it and send notes to everybody. That's a great use of AI to take a. a, a a press release and turn it into a, a presentation with dun, PowerPoint dun, dun. slides. Right, that is a great use of AI, but there are limits to it because it's not creative. Agree, and that's definitely something to look at. Uh, Joel, you you wanted to agree? Yeah, just a, a turn. Yeah, we've had to rally. You know, yeah. what do you look for? With you know, we're still yeah. up here, six day winning streak. You know, I look for some consolidation, a double top. We don't have any of that stuff right now to uh, on the plate. What are you looking for in market structure for a potential turn or for a little buy the dip opportunity? It, well, and if you looked at the data, Joel, so we always say, you know, lo always look at broad market sentiment, understand where it is. Uh -huh. When it's below the green line, that tends to be a bottom and, and stocks rise. Below the green line, stocks rise. Below the green line, stocks rise. But this, is this was happening even as it was getting there. Uh, wow. And there's a big drop in the supply side, but let's back this out. Let's just back out to a year-to-date view and see where we are, demand and supply. So mm -hmm. this was the big, you know, here's the surge. In June into, into July options expirations, that was a great run because look at the supply side, no supply. We've had a steep reversal here, but I don't think, you know, everybody says, now we're going to have a rally into the end of the year. I don't know what's going to happen. But I look at the supply-demand data and say this is it. this is heavily dependent on derivatives. The problem with derivatives is that one data point causes them to get marked to market, marked to zero. They're twenty percent of market cap. So while I think, and I'm with you, Dennis, I'm bullish short term simply because broad market sentiment is three point five and rising and supply has fallen but how quickly would this change i can think change before fast. We, yes it can and i think even before november <laughs> options expirations we could have trouble i think there is something occurring in the derivatives market that concerns me i mean i saw the chinese overnight market spike to 50 percent. did you see that the chinese overnight lending market spiked to 50 percent on october 31st there wasn't any money in the system. Happened to us in 2019. You get some weird things like that occurring. You get the Koreans, as you said, you know, we're, we're temp pausing shorting. That's not what well-functioning markets do. These things concern me. I would be very tactical. The only thing I will trade right now is if there's no momentum, just I just believe the data. There's not momentum. So I'm going to trade derivatives. I will trade ETFs long and short, and I will trade big tech. Why? Because it's the linchpin of the market. If its demand is rising, see, it's, it's rising, it bottomed. You could go buy AMD when it hit one. That's a very reliable trade. And you make 12% on it already. Uh, but other than that, I'm being very careful because I do not trust this market.
All right. CEO of Market Structure Edge joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. Tim, you're always fun to have on. We'll dial you up again soon. Good to see you, Joel. Enjoy your visit to our town. I'm sorry we're going to be gone. We take off oh. on the 8th to go to this the Texas A&M Aggies game. My, you know, my wife's an A&M Aggie, and we've got a big reunion with some friends down there. So I'll miss you. I'll catch you the okay. next time. All right. All right, Sounds guys, good. definitely give uh, Tim Quas a follow. And, of course, check out Market Structure Edge. It's always great to have you, Tim. Thank you, guys. Have a good Thanks, week. Thanks, Tim. All right, let's get back to the market. How are we looking here, Joel? I saw God, the TLT just, was quiet. leaning down, though. Yeah. Right, that's one thing that I wanted to point Been leaking to. Yeah. For, 20, for uh, all day Friday and leaking here again now. So leaked away a lot of the gains on Friday, leaking here yeah. again. That's a that's a red flag. That's a red flag for sure. Yep. The pullback there, but we'll, but it's we'll see. Is it a natural pullback to make a run to 90? We don't know that yet. But I would just say... A pullback is healthy as long as it's above 85, starts going below 85, it starts to become concerning again. All what right, are let's... we looking at today? Uh, well, big rally, yes, on, on Friday, at every day last week. So, you know, you made the Friday weekly high, right? High close for the week. So I'm looking at that area. I'm looking at Friday's high, and I'm saying if the, bull, the bulls, well, I mean, no, no messing Doubles. around here. Let, let's get out of the gate. Let's take out the pre-market high and you know, get a look at 4,400. Um, on the downside, I mean, you haven't even, you barely went red in this session. You, the close was at, uh, the close was at 76. You hit 74. So, I mean, you can't start thinking about red, at least in the S&Ps until they at least go red. So the bonds aren't helping that that's for sure. Uh, but uh, quiet range overnight, about a 13 point range, but you know, with the average trading range being over 60, you know we're gonna. You know it's not gonna hold up that thirteen point range today. I think we've had this rally recently, and it's a very good opportunity to. You know, if you were in a lot of bags, like a lot of stocks, like Roku is being mentioned a lot oh, in the chat Roku. here right now. I mean, Roku just got back two months of losses, fifty yeah, percent or days. something like that, and two, two months, months of losses week. in three days. This is the opportunity. It's like, oh, is Roku going to $150, $200, $500 again? I don't believe so. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows anything. But I think worse times are ahead for Roku as opposed to better times. So I would look at this rally. You know, certain stocks are just good companies. Maybe you're holding on to those. But there's been rallies across the board in some really bad companies. And I think those are the ones, maybe not necessarily shorting yet, but maybe you're selling. Maybe you had these bags in your portfolio. And I still think recession coming in 2024, I'm not, you know, I haven't moved away from that. Because I came, became bullish for three or four days doesn't mean I've thrown the recession, you know, talk for 2024 off the cliff. My long-term portfolio is still heavily cash. Even though I added a couple of stocks into it, it's still pretty heavy cash. So I think just, you know, take it in perspective. You got a lot of really crappy stocks and they've rallied significantly in the last couple of days. Maybe lighten up. Yeah, I mean the market the market had a good year last week. You know, you gotta be, you know, you gotta be careful on those kind of things. But uh tomorrow, uh it's T three Tuesday and uh we'll get the nice. perspective. Yeah, yeah, we'll get uh, the perspective from our our T three buddies over there. So but uh Love T3. not bad. Yeah, things tight, quiet so far here. So it's uh been a fun Monday here on uh, Pre-Market Prep.
All right, going to go ahead and get Joel Alconan out of here. Dennis Dick, of course, you guys can keep up with all of them on Pre-Market Prep Plus and the closing print that starts at the end of the day. You guys keep up with Joel. Um, now get you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. We'll see what we can get into. It's time to keep the battle on as we got two more days left in our competition on live trading. So if you want to come and check out the live trading competition, Come on next. We'll be getting right over to that. And like always, we got a lot more for you guys right here on Benzinga, of course. And time to go get to some trading action. Keep it chill, guys. Let's get after it.